After last reading of the Pilgrims' assault and triumph over de- giant despair, and of their coming to the delectable mountains, and what the shepherds there revealed to them, we come now to the end of their journey and to the end of John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress. In these final pages, the company meets two more worthy pilgrims, Mr. Valiant for Truth and Mr. Steadfast. They also pass through the enchanted ground into Beulah Land, where Christiana and many others are summoned to cross the River Death into the Celestial City. So leaving the shepherds, the company continues upon the king's path and soon came to the place where little faith was robbed back in the first part. Yet here they found a beaten and bloodied man with his sword in his hand, and his name was Valiant for Truth. And he was assaulted upon the road by three robbers, wild-head, inconsiderate, and pragmatic. After telling Valiant for Truth to join him, turn back, or die, the the pilgrim drew his sword and fought with them for three hours. And indeed, he told the company that the robbers had only just fled, likely at the sound of their coming. Of the three robbers, one writer notes, From the names given to these opposers, they appear to represent certain wild enthusiasts who intrude themselves in the way of professors, to perplex their minds and persuade them that, unless they adopt their reveries or superstition, they cannot be saved. An ungovernable imagination, a mind incapable, a sober reflection, a dogmatizing spirit characterize these enemies of the truth. They assault religious persons with spacious reasonings, caviling objections, confident assertions, bitter reproaches, proud boasting, sarcastic censures, and rash judgments. They endeavor to draw them to their party or drive them from attending to religion at all. But the word of God used with fervent, persevering prayer will silence such slanderous assailants and confirm others also. And indeed, Valiant for Truth was outnumbered three to one. And so he is right to say that little and more are nothing to him that has the truth on his side. You see, with God's word in his hand, Valiant for the Truth was able to stand his ground, violent though the battle was. Let us very much learn from this man's example. Although all around us, truth seems to always be thrown to the ground. Yes, even the very idea of truth itself is greatly despised. Yet truth must and shall remain steadfast. For God's word is truth, and though heaven and earth will pass away, his word will never pass away. And so there's great need, therefore, for many who are valiant for truth, who cling to God's word when assaulted by the lies of the world. Now, after learning of Valiant for Truth's battle, Greatheart and Honest proceed to ask him about his own pilgrimage. And here we learn that it was largely the testimony of Christian's journey told to him by a man named Mr. Telltrue. But while Valiant for Truth set his face toward the celestial city, his parents would not go with him, but tried to dissuade him from going. And on pages 353 and 354, he recounts their warnings. Now, from a literary standpoint, Bunyan uses this recounting almost as an opportunity for his readers to reflect back upon the many dangers that we have read about through both parts of the book. But theologically, we should note that most of these warnings are true. Now, Christian being drowned in the river is the notable exception. And so it very often may be the dangers of following Christ are indeed multitude. And after all, to follow Christ means shouldering our own cross. Our Lord himself said that. Therefore, Valiant for Truth 
believed the good news that was declared to him, and he pressed forward in spite of the difficulties, which is what every believer must do. Next, we read that the pilgrims entered the enchanted ground. And seeing the danger of this place, all the men drew their swords and great heart led them on, while valiant for truth guarded their rear. Note also that great heart kept feeble mind close to him, and valiant for truth did the same with Mr. Despondency. Here again we see the gentle and tender strength that marked Christ in his life and ought also to mark Christ's ministers that Bunyan wants us so much to pay attention to. Although the allure of the enchanted ground seems to be fiercer for Christianity's company here than it was for Christian and hopeful, the danger is still the same, to fall asleep and never wake up. That is the enchantment of worldliness. It lulls pilgrims to sleep, and even if they still talk in their sleep, like they find two would-be pilgrims, heedless and too bold, they will not wake up. One writer exhorts older pilgrims explicitly here, saying, Old pilgrims, ye who have set out well and gone on well for a long season, consider ye are yet in this world which is enchanted ground. Know your danger of seeking rest here or of sleeping in any of its enchanting arbors. Though the flesh may be weary, the spirit faint, and the arbors inviting, yet beware, press on, look to the strong for strength and to the beloved for rest in the way. And indeed, when thinking of the allure of worldliness as an enchantment to fall asleep, my mind goes to one of my favorite writings of C.S. Lewis in his lecture called The Weight of Glory. And in that talk, Lewis speaks of our desire to look for something beyond this world, the desire which the greatest pleasures in the world are only a, as he says, a scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. And Lewis then asks this question. He says, do you think I'm trying to weave a spell? Perhaps I am, but remember your fairy tales. Spells are used for breaking enchantments as well as for inducing them. And you and I have need of the strongest spell that can be found to wake us from the evil enchantment of worldliness that has been laid upon us for nearly a hundred years. And indeed, only the gospel is powerful enough to break the enchantment of worldliness, for it is the good spell, the good spell, the good news, as it was in Old English. And after coming out of the enchanted ground, the company came upon another pilgrim on his knees in prayer, and Honest soon recognized him as Mr. Steadfast. He was in prayer because of his recent encounter with a witch named Madame Bubble, who was responsible for enchanting the ground with her sorceries in the first place. She offered to Steadfast her body, her purse, and her bed. Yet he remained resolute and eventually fell upon his knees in prayer for deliverance, which then after he was delivered, turned into a prayer of thanksgiving. Now, Madame Bubble is another allegory for worldliness, which is clear since she is the one who created the enchanted ground. So Bunyan clearly modeled her description after the adulteress in Proverbs chapter 5 through chapter 7, which are an extended warning of the dangers of adultery. And Bunyan uses that very imagery to portray the seduction of the world that the world has toward Christians. And so like Steadfast, may we turn to the Lord in prayer to guard us from the fleeting and yet alluring 
pleasures of this world. Next, the pilgrims came to Beulah, where Christiana, then ready to halt, feeble mind, despondency, and much afraid, honest, valiant for truth, and steadfast, were all summoned by the king to cross the river of death and enter the celestial city. So these pages read much like how the death of Christian of of a Christian ought to be bitter sweet. There is certainly a bitterness there in death to begin with, but the end is ultimately sweet. Each of these accounts follows the same pattern. A messenger brings the summons with a sign of its truthfulness. Goodbyes are then said, and then last words are recorded as each pilgrim enters the river. And although each pilgrim is summoned to cross the river, each sign is given to them from Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 2 through 7, which is the preacher, the author of Ecclesiastes, his poetic description of old age. And so thus it seems that Bunyan is wanting us to see old age as just such a messenger of our crossing to come and that we would prepare for our death as these Christians do. Bunyan also displays wonderfully to us the joy that each pilgrim enters as he or she leaves behind their weaknesses and their troubles forever. So just as Spurgeon commenced our study of this book, I'll also let him have the final word in our study. He says, Oh, it is wonderful how these pilgrims do when they come to die. They may tremble while they live, but they do not tremble when they die. The weakest of them become the strongest then. I have helped many pilgrims on the way, and among them some feeble minds and Mr. Fearings, and a very great worry have they been to me while on the road. But at last, either the river has been empty, and they have gone over dryshod, or else... When they have come to the very depths of it, they have played the man so well that I have been astounded. I never imagined that they could have been so brave. They have stumbled at a straw before, but in death they have climbed mountains. They have been the most weak, timid, sparrow-like people that you could meet with, and now they take themselves eagle's wings wherewith to fly away. Wherefore I counsel you, go to the graves of your loved ones with songs of gladness. Stand there, and if you drop a tear... Let the smile of your gratitude to God light it up and transform it into a gem. Then go home, each one of you, and wait trustfully until your own change comes. May it be so. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week, grace and peace.